0: Welcome to Pivot, a bi-weekly interview with leading event promoters, brand marketers, business owners, and destinations about how their work has changed and continues to change as a result of the pandemic. We will explore creative ways these industries have adjusted to these unpredictable times. Please welcome host Tavi Fulkerson, founder of the Fulkerson Group, a sponsorship and marketing agency based in Detroit, Michigan. With us today on Pivot is Susan Whiteside. She's Vice President of Integrated Marketing and Communications with the National Confectioners Association. Susan, what an interesting thing to do, and to be involved with sweets and confections. I mean, how fantastic is that?
1: So our association is based in Washington, D.C., and I always say I have the sweetest job in Washington. It is... (laughs) It is it is very, very fun to work in the candy industry. There's really no other industry like it in the world. And so thank you so much for having me here to talk about it.
0: That's great. Well, we met at a conference recently and I was so intrigued with the things that you were doing. I thought, oh my goodness, we must talk about this. I know you have an expo that of course, appropriately enough, is called Sweets and Snacks Expo. Tell me about that, how it developed, who attends, what's featured, all those good things. Well, the Sweets and
1: Snacks Expo is actually celebrating a birthday, an anniversary coming up here in 2022. So this will be our 25th anniversary. And it has been an interesting ride. I've been with the National Confectioners Association for 23 years. So not quite since the inception of the expo, but but pretty close. So I have seen a lot happen to the show over the years. It is the largest uh, confectionery and snacks show, which means candy, chocolate, gum, mints, cookies, salty and savory snacks, snack cakes, and so so sweet and savory snacks. The largest event featuring those products in, in the Americas. It started, though, as the All Candy Expo. Now, we have been in Chicago for almost our entire history, but we started at Navy Pier, and a lot of people have fond memories of our days back in Navy Pier, but, we soon outgrew the space at Navy Pier, and we moved over to McCormick Place. We've been at McCormick Place since 2001. We started in the Lakeside Building, in McCormick Place, for those who are interested with that. And then we moved to the West Building. As soon as they opened, we were biting our nails. They opened in late August, and our show was in the middle of September that year. And then in 2007, we introduced snacks to the show. So it had just been candy and chocolate gum uh, for the longest time. In 2007, we introduced snacks, and then in 20. 2010, we changed our name to the, to the Sweets and Snacks Expo. Well, that so, makes sense. Quite a
0: history. <laughs> yeah, it is quite a history. And the people who are exhibiting, I assume, represent the various candy and snacks companies. I I don't know how anybody can walk in there and not want to start eating everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is it is a sample show. So there is a lot to indulge in, but there's also a lot of work to get done. So even though there are lots of temptations along the way, I think our attendees who are the professional candy and snack buyers all throughout the world, senior executives at retailers, merchandisers, et cetera, you know, their primary interest is into getting to as many booths as possible. In a normal year, that's over 800 booths of the world's best candy and snacks. Wow. So there is a lot, a lot to see and a lot to do.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet. I mean, you could really have a lot of... of, of um Challenges. Tell me something, since you've been in this business such a long time, how have sweets and snacks evolved?
1: yeah, that's such a that is such a great question. There is so much innovation in our category. About oh, might be a, a decade or so now, we launched a program at our expo to recognize and celebrate that innovation. We call it our most innovative new product awards. There is so much innovation among the categories that we can't even just give out the top three awards for innovation. We have to break it down by category. Because there's so much innovation in chocolate and non-chocolate and seasonal and gums and mints and salty and savory. You know, we have, I think, 10 categories. And then we also award a best in show and an award for a small business who has shown the most innovative product of the year. You know, it's so, it's do so much see fun. We a lot of new flavors. Mm-hmm. It is so much fun. We do see a lot of new flavors. We see a lot of new packaging and and pack sizes and formats. But I will also say that all consumers have a sweet spot for their favorite candy and snacks too, right? There are all those candies that we remember so fondly from our childhood that that are still among our favorites. So it's an interesting category because while there is tons of innovation and candies with spicy flavors and, and salty snacks made with cauliflower, There's still so many candies on the market that have been around for 100
0: or more years. Oh, I know. I've seen on the History Channel some profiles of how Hershey got started and how Reese's got started. A gentleman named, last name, you know, Reese, who (laughs) uh, worked for Hershey's, lost his job and came up with this incredibly delicious uh, candy that ended up being incredible. So popular, but- And owned by Hershey's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Eventually, that's right. So, you I know, the history. You the
1: history. I love that you mentioned that um, because that is a, such an important part of the secret sauce, I would say, of this Sweets and Snacks Expo. It is so relationship driven. And that is one of the struggles we faced when the pandemic started. This is a business where people want to be together, right? Even though they are competitors on the shelf, they are friends. Most of the candy industry uh, in particular is family run. And these are companies that have been passed down from one generation to the next. And so the person running company A knew the person running company B when they were 15 or 16 years old. And their parents started bringing them to industry events. The pandemic was particularly difficult for those that are so relationship driven. Our industry employs 58,000 workers across 1,600
0: manufacturing
1: facilities in all 50 states. So um, we it, are. cover the the country.
0: That is that is just an unbelievable statistic. Um, And I do know when I heard you speak that you moved to Indianapolis in 2021.
1: We did. So of course, you know, let's take it back to March 2020. And the world came to a screeching halt. Our show was scheduled for May that year. And so like all event producers for the next many, many, many months, we had to cancel our show. And so we did not have one in 2020. And the industry did actually great. We had a good year because people were at home and they were isolated and feeling a little lonely and sad and, and they wanted to treat themselves and to treat their families and to uh, you know still participate in the things that, that were special and meaningful to their families and in a lot of cases that was celebrating Easter the way they had been, you know, they had celebrated Easter before at home movie nights with popcorn and candy things that they could do to, to make things fun for their families. And well there's nothing to like to a good
0: candy bar. I mean, really, there's nothing like a great candy bar to make you feel wonderful. Um, I can see where a lot more people ate a lot more candy and snacks during that time period. I I hear about that the average weight gain is like seventeen pounds for people during that period of time, but um, well, we but they are enjoyed going to blame
1: it. That on other industries, even during the pandemic, you know, the average candy consumer was only eating candy two or three times a week. It's just a couple of, of teaspoons of, of sugar in your diet oh, a day. So there's good. definitely, definitely a special role for treats. But the industry did see some sales growth last year: four point two percent in chocolate, two point nine percent in non chocolate.
0: Now, now, how can a small entrepreneurial candy maker break into a business like this that has well, has has companies that have been around for well over 100 years
1: well the best way is to have a presence at the sweets and snacks expo so after we didn't have an opportunity to get together in 2020 we knew that we had to figure out how to do it in 2021 we had to figure out how to do it safely for our community But we had to figure out how to do it in person and and look the reason is because you can't taste candy on a webinar you can't right you have to pick it up you have to see the packaging you have to taste it you can't do that on a zoom so we Mm -hmm. knew we did not have a choice we had to find a way to do it safely smartly wisely effectively and in person now at that time chicago our beloved home uh, was not going to be open for trade shows so we were casting a wider net and we learned of Indianapolis and a number of safety enhancements and upgrades they had done to their facility, notably the installation of hospital-grade air filtration systems. But they also had cleaning, uh, Clorox 360 cleaning process that they put into place, and, and some other things as well. But it made Indianapolis very attractive, and then lo and behold, they had one date left.
0: Isn't that something? (laughs) And, and, you know, to go from having been in Chicago and in McCormick for all those years, and Indianapolis is a fantastic city. I'm sure you had a great experience there. We did.
1: Man, let me tell you, the people of Indianapolis are so welcoming, kind. They went out of their way to help us. They had so many marketing tools that we could take advantage of. They had done a whole video, very short. It was quick, and it was not scary to watch about all of the... Uh, of the safety systems that they had put into place, you know, that video could end up scaring people if not done right. (laughs) Um, And this one didn't, they did a really nice job. And so we were able to show this video to our potential attendees to show them how safe we were going to be in Indianapolis and how seriously we were taking the protocols that we had to put into place and so so on and so forth. They had great photos, they had a, a Hoosier hospitality program where various restaurants were certified to have protocols in place to help keep the patrons safe bent spaces where people were hosting cocktail parties or whatever that, you know, that had special air handling or that had windows that opened and so on and so forth.
0: How many people came with all those protocols in place? (laughs) Uh, Did it work out well?
1: It did. So in a typical year, we have about 16,000 attendees across both exhibitors and the the retail customers who attend the show. So we were at about 50% with 8,000 attendees. We were at about 50% for our number of exhibitors as well, although our square footage was up because we had more space. And so people were able to take some bigger booths. Because of the nature of this event, the cost to attend for a retail customer is not very high.
0: Can anyone go? Can anyone go, or do you have to be in the industry?
1: The attendees are only professional candy and snack buyers, merchandising teams, retailers, et cetera. And there's a pretty significant vetting process that everybody goes through. And so because of that, and the very professional nature of the show and so on and so forth, so uh, excited to share with you that our conversion rate was 73%.
0: Congratulations. Were there any lessons that you learned by having to relocate an event? Yeah. Stage (laughs) it in a different city that was very welcoming and did a wonderful job with you. But what were some of the things you learned?
1: I would say the biggest lesson we learned across two years was event planners and event marketers. We have always known, even if others have not, how hard it is to plan an event and pull off an event of this magnitude. What we learned early on was how hard it is to cancel an event
0: it's twice as hard <laughs> i know to i know we had to we, we all we had do out, that right? too
1: yeah,
0: yeah it's everyone hard listening mm-hmm.
1: to this podcast had to do that right in 2020 it is so hard and i'll tell you what we learned from that is we never want to do it again
0: i and certainly so- <laughs> can relate to that i mean to call <laughs> sponsors and say you yeah. know Here's your refund, or it's do you want to come support miserable. us next year? That sort of thing. It's hard, yeah, it's painful. It
1: we went into all of our planning with that in mind, right? We were going to pick the safest venue we could find. We were going to pick the dates on the calendar that seemed the most advantageous. We weren't going to overpromise and underdeliver, right? Like we went into it with our eyes wide open because we were not going to cancel again. Because of all of that hard work combined with, I have to be honest, luck of the calendar and what was happening in the country back in June of 2021, we were able to pull off our trade show as planned. And honestly, I, I was one of the first national trade shows that came back into the marketplace and it was the first one in our, in our industry. That Um, is terrific. But look, part of that was it was June, a lot of people had been vaccinated, we were feeling pretty good. Nobody had heard about Delta yet. So a lot of it was luck.
0: Did you do any virtual components? Or again, you've got a sample, you've got to smell the wonderful candies and snacks to really appreciate them. But did you try Mm -hmm. any virtual activities?
1: So we did, what we really did was group together. So offerings that we already had under the umbrella of what we call sweets and snacks on demand, say maybe the 12 most compelling education sessions. We also have our new product showcase and our most innovative new product award galleries online. And and so what we did was bundle all of those post-show offerings under one umbrella, which we called on demand. We did that in 2020. We repeated that in 2021 and we're going to keep repeating that
0: when you say, you were doing educational sessions, what are you teaching people about? Most of our
1: education was either about merchandising techniques, innovations in retailing, consumer insights, or sort of very 30,000 foot look at what's happening in the candy industry, what's happening in the snack industry.
0: Is that in general what the National Convectioners Association does is provide that kind those kinds of learnings (laughs) in addition to this wonderful event that you have?
1: It is one of our core offerings. Of course, like any trade association, our primary focus is on advocacy and communications here in Washington, D.C. and beyond into the states. We are a mission-driven advocacy association. We are here in D.C. because one of our key audiences are policymakers and lawmakers, and we are representing our industry in front of these large and important governing bodies. We also have a a very large component of our association that helps build and strengthen the category as a whole with education, insights, research, and so forth.
0: Well, Susan, we're going to have to finish up our our discussion here today. I I think it it is just such a fascinating industry and what you're doing is is certainly fun and interesting and vice president of integrated marketing and communications uh, for the National Confectioners Association. Susan, I love the expression that you have on your email that says candy is bold, fun and unique. So um, I'm going to ask you a tough question. Are you able to tell us what your favorite candy is? I can tell you generally, okay. if it has
1: chocolate and peanut butter, it is on my must-enjoy list.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that favorite, sounds my great. <laughs>
1: combination. can never that, turn it down.
0: That sounds politically correct. That's perfect. I love it. Thank you so much, Susan. This was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too.
0: Thank you for listening to Pivot with a new interview posted regularly. To listen to new episodes, or if you'd like to be a guest on this program, visit www.folkersongroup.com for more information. Until next time, don't forget to renew, reinvent, and energize.